Are you easily confused by terms like cultural appropriation, cisgender, and woke? Or maybe you find yourself constantly explaining terms like these and you need a place to vent. Do you have a love for all things pop culture, social commentary, and politics? Sounds, Sounds like, like you, you need, need Minority Corner. Corner. Where you can learn, laugh, and play. Sounds like Blue's Clues. Only it's more black, gay, and ladylike. James and Aneke will happily administer your weekly dose each and every Friday. You can listen on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Minority Corner. With a K. Because the, the C, C was taken. taken. If your erection lasts for more than four days, do something about it. Welcome back. How you bossing? Um, let's see. I am bossing quite well. Um, despite this nasty cough that I am trying to get rid of as I drink my hot water, lemon, and honey. Um, uh, but things are going well. It is a, uh, it's been lovely. Just get, got back from a, um, a little extended trip, um, to where I thought was going to be warm and it had snowed. Previously, I was in Portland for a few days, hmm. and then it snowed in the first time I think in thirty years. Oh wow! There. So, th- which means I didn't know what to do with snow. So the <laughs> roads bet. were like pecked, like no salt, <laughs> and you had to like gingerly walk around. But that means like most I know how to drive in snow, so that means most of the restaurants there was no wait. Parking was pretty easy. <laughs> That's nice. Um, and it was beautiful, uh, mostly because people didn't know what to do with it, so people weren't yeah. outside like mucking it up and making it dirty. Yeah. Um. Well, it so, never snows in San Francisco, but for some reason I thought Portland and no. Seattle get snow. No, uh, like, Seattle does on occasion, but Portland, they said, like, it hasn't snowed like this in 30 wow, years. Wow, okay. I was like, wow. So they got, like, maybe a foot, uh, a foot, maybe a little bit more, like, the night before um, I got there. So <laughs> it was interesting. It was cold. I was prepared as a preparer. Yeah. So I had my long johns, my gloves, hat, uh, earmuffs, et cetera. So I was cool. Um, but I'm good. Uh yeah, just spending a good amount of time in the last week or few weeks investing in myself, mm-hmm. um, which has been nice. Like physically, mentally, I'm signed up for some online classes um, through an online platform just to, to kind of beef up some skills of things that I want to know. So it's been it's been nice to carve out some time for that and make a choice to not be like amped up and stressed about work. Yeah. So how you bossing? Ah, uh, good. I'm just getting back into the groove of things. Um, I had my first week back at work since my vacation, which um, we talked about already. And um, yeah, it felt like no time has passed by. <laughs> like, <laughs> right in the thick of it, very busy, but it's okay. I feel re-energized. And um, I have this, I'm enjoying this new frame of thinking. Um, I think we. I had um, told you about um, I set kind of this, when I set my goals, I have this like vision statement mm-hmm. and, um, if I can't check my goals, like every so often I have this frame of thinking and my frame of thinking always links back to my goals. So I'm subconsciously, um, every decision I make, every decision I make, I, um, as long as I make those decisions against that mentality, I'm accomplishing my goals. Well, there's a professional, I guess, just like skill, um, that I've been implementing, uh, I, I feel whenever I open my email inbox, um, I get very overwhelmed and I can get okay. very lost in my emails because yes, a lot of the emails that I have to answer link d- direct directly to projects I have to do, but email is designed to like suck you in. Like and you can get <laughs> lost, two hours can pass by, you answer emails, but then that number can shoot back up or, or when you answer emails, it's like, are you really actually ever accomplishing anything mm. and for 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 me no and I have to keep reminding me that but it's almost like a drug it's like oh email and I just get I can get lost in the email for so long and I I don't know why I feel like I guess the OCD side of me wants to get that number very low like I used to not want to leave the office on Fridays unless I could get my email account to a very small number mm. so I tried a new approach I read this article called um, uh, the Kaizen approach, okay. K-A-I-Z-E-N, um, and it's about self-improvement by 1% every day. 
Oh, I've heard of this concept. Where, um, almost similar to this kind of mentality, this uh, vision statement I set for the way I make decisions, um, is if you break everything down and just focus on doing something better, whether it's a hard skill, maybe something related to your self-improvement, like diet, health, or whatnot, um, you focus on improving 1% every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So how I apply that to um, my work is... I just now focus on one project a day. My job has probably like six components to it, which is a lot. Okay. I work at you know I work at a school, I work at a nonprofit. That's very typical to feel very spread thin. Um, I don't really focus on my emails anymore. Um, if someone really needs to get to get a hold of me, they will get a hold of me. You call me, you text me, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Or you uh, you uh, send me an email five times, and that will indicate I really need to open it. Um, I have, in a matter of five days, accomplished so much in terms of projects because I just focused on one project a day. Um, I used to uh, do a little bit of each project. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have five projects in a given day, and I would try to do a little bit of everything, um, and I would never accomplish it. I don't really focus on my email. I kind of ignore it, and I just focus on the actual work. Mm-hmm. And I've I'm amazed at what... Um, I've been able to accomplish in a week and my anxiety has also decreased a little bit. My email used to be my, uh, would induce my anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, but now I don't care. Oh, my inbox is at 115, whatever. I scan through it and I pick the emails that link back to the project that I am focusing on the day, on that day. And also any emergencies that I need to, um, or time sensitive emails I need to respond to. So I'm really excited about this, uh, next quarter and so the, the, Paul, the person, is feeling better, kind of like... Yes. Okay. So and, that's impacting your right. regular person-ness. Okay. Because um, success is not answering all my emails. That's mm-hmm. That doesn't define success for me and for this organization. So once I lifted that load off my shoulder, um, I'm like, wow, I can actually see how I can improve in the next three months. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, And mind you, it's hard to change that pattern um, when you're used to defining success in one way Mm -hmm. and trying something different. Mm. Well, welcome to the fold as a person who doesn't get terribly confident emails. (laughs) (laughs) I I tend to be pretty comfortable with like, "Eh, that doesn't require my response. Noted, file. So Yeah, well, every email I get is actually most of them require my response because I'm either the buck steps at me and I have to say yes or no to something or I have to process something. So it makes it a little bit more. Okay, so water cooler talk. I thought it would be nice to talk about code switching, which uh, if, I mean, I can assume maybe a little bit for you, you've probably had this conversation many times in different contexts, different Mm -hmm. people. Um, I have as well. Uh, But I think it's still a very prevalent um, topic that evolves a lot as I think code switching depends on a little bit of pop culture and uh, what's happening in the world. Um, well, can we pause? Can you explain for the people just the general concept of what code switching is for mm-hmm. those listeners who may not have a full understanding of what that is? Sure. I'm not going to pull up a Webster dictionary version. I'm just going <laughs> to kind of ma- define this on the fly. But uh, code switching um, is when an individual um, adjusts either, um, it could be various things, uh, your your word choice, it could be your mannerisms, it could be your tone of voice, um, it could, just your expression, um, where you adjust that expression to um, either diminish any kind of stereotypes or to c- conform a little bit to the, the norm group um, so that... Uh, people can actually understand um, what you're trying to express. So Mm -hmm. it's a way of just adjusting. And usually when you do that adjustment, you're adjusting away from your true self in Mm -hmm. order to uh, conform to the the norm. Okay. And the social norm, I should say. Got it. Would you, is that a good definition? No, I just want to, for people who are like, what is code switch? I've never heard of that. Yeah. 
Uh, and when we uh, when we talk about examples and personal experiences, um, this will make uh, more sense with the definition. But yeah, I, I think it's an ever-evolving conversation. People talk about it a lot. Yeah. Um, when I say people, I mean, obviously black people talk about it a lot. Yeah. Um, especially in the work setting. Um, I mean, I'm sure brown folks talk about it a yeah. lot. And maybe they, I mean, they, people may have different versions of like what it's... Let me not use code switch. But it's like when you walk into a room and you see one other person who quote unquote looks like you, because that doesn't happen. Like I don't, that does I don't connect with people like all black people on that front. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you walk into a room and you see one, you be like, mm-hmm, I see you. You see me. Okay, I got you. Um, with just it's it's just it's a real subtle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like announcing like we know we both on code switch. So it's just <laughs> you know I'm gonna do it. I know you gonna do it. All right, let's just I'm gonna be about our business in that way. Yeah, I actually want to talk about my first. Um, experience as a child uh, knowing code switch and I didn't know it was code switching until that definition came to or that term came to my life okay so you know I come from an immigrant family and uh, my mom has an accent when she speaks English so you know English is her second language and every time my mom spoke on the phone either to people at work or to um, yeah <laughs> I already know what you're gonna say. <laughs> or uh, like customer service or anything all of a sudden, the accent, like, disappears, yeah. like, drastically. Like, but the pitch in my mom's voice goes up a little higher. And, you know, she talks like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she just enunciates her words a little bit more. And the best way I can describe it is she just sounded more white. Yeah. Like, 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 like <laughs> I, I use my white voice when I need to, you know, get somebody. I need to professionally read somebody, a customer service agent, a colleague, perhaps. Yeah. You know? I have to turn on my white voice. But, yeah, I don't... I don't know that that's that, uh, I feel like a lot of people, maybe not white folks do, because if you're, that's your voice, then that's your mm-hmm. voice, but I feel like a lot of people do that. Yeah, <laughs> but I was just like, at a very young age, I was my first exposure to it, and I didn't understand for so long up until now. You probably said, they're like, who are you talking yeah. to? Yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't even think of like when I was younger when I did that, because I feel like I've, I've regularly, having gone to school where there were not a lot of... Um, there weren't a lot of black kids. There were certainly a few. I could probably name them all right now. Um, uh, but I want to say, like, most, if not all of my teachers were white. Um, and I just remember having to, or feeling like I had to, like, speak so that other people could understand what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it's just, like, when I'm at the playground, like, with my friends in, like, the neighborhood or whatever, I could talk a certain way. But I knew that I couldn't, quote, unquote, couldn't talk like that when I went to school. Because I would either, I don't know that I would get in trouble, but it just, um, it's also felt like a really classist thing. Like, if you were lower class or you were poor, you spoke like this, like, you didn't put G's on the end of your words. It ended with an apostrophe or Mm -hmm. it ended with an, you know what I mean? So, it felt like folks who lived in a different social um, setting, a social class, they spoke, like, the words out fully. Mm -hmm. And that's just not, we were far more casual, um, when I was around other folks who like lived in the same manner that I did. Right. Yeah. Right. And they weren't even all black folks. Most of the apartment complex that I grew up in um, was Latino folks. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just remember you don't talk like that when you go to school. So. <laughs> yeah. In school, uh, in school, uh, I, so I had some family friends and also just family, like cousins and things like that. So I grew up in a, a pretty like, you know, I, I grew up in New Hampshire, so I, I wouldn't say, like, I grew up in the hood or anything. My mom actually purposely moves there, so I hope she wouldn't have to raise me in the hood, because <laughs> um, she's experienced that, of course. And um, a common thing that... So I would be used to be called, like, an Oreo by some of my family friends, yeah, because... I was like, who wasn't called an Oreo? Right. I'm I was black on the outside. Yeah. Black on the outside, but um, white on the inside, because I spoke white, right? Yeah. That This is my voice. This is how I've always spoke, um, and I'm sure my inflection and certain ways uh certain ways i um, enunciate words has changed depending on where i live you know east coast talk versus west coast talk things have changed of course as i've grown up but this is how i sound and i never thought talk white what are you talking about what does this mean and uh i realized though as soon as i got older so for me um i now do code switching between friend groups Um, okay so and we can talk about that a little bit where I have a very diverse friend group and 
um, of all, you know, different races and ethnicities. And for the people that I'm really comfortable with, I... Um, I'm even doing some code switching right now. Yeah, I know, because you're like, I, um, so people that I interact with now. Uh. <laughs> so, you know, when I'm really feeling myself and, you know, I, I, I can get, you know, kiki a little bit, do the snaps, okay, girl, you know, and do all that stuff. And I don't do that with all my social groups because they wouldn't really be able to respond um, <laughs> in that way. Um, you know, especially like gay, gay, you know, black slang, like that's in me and I, I own that, but I don't speak that way with everyone. I'll speak that way with my other gay friends, my other black girlfriends, and then some other folks who just come from a different cultural background. I, I don't even think of, think twice about it. I just remove that terminology from my vocabulary and I speak to them in a different way. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Cause I, I think you, when you said the, like, my like because we're both black and identify LGBT. I'm like we also have very different. So you like the girlfriend? Mm-hmm. I'm like that's not. I don't, <laughs> I don't ever talk like that. Um, <clears throat> part of that's a byproduct of like I, I think even I think about like in my schooling like when I went to college and then when I went to grad school like it's almost like they teach you how to talk more white for yes. lack of a better term. Yes. Um, just I don't use the words that I use like m- most of the words that I used in grad school I don't use. Almost ever, um, unless I need to get in somebody's ass about something at work, then I will have to like, I have to bust out my credentials and then read the shit out of you, and then I can go back to being you know who I was. But I'm thinking like, most of my schooling, it's it was teaching me how to like speak more professional or more mainstream. Both of those were in air quotes, like mm-hmm. so that people understand you. And I'm like, people don't fucking talk like this. Right. Nobody fucking talks like <laughs> I talked in my theory class about you know student development theory. Nobody fucking like that i'm bored listening to myself try to talk about that (laughs) right so yeah even from like people who you would may assume like look like you perhaps you assume that they think like you very like there's even a code switching in that of like how can i be more accepted so i think a lot of this about is for me it's thinking about like how um how much do i want to be accepted in this group by like mimicking the way that other people talk or you know kind of feeling like I should fit in in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And some of it, for me, boils down to, like, um, when I think about code switching, like, how black can I show up today? Yeah. Like, it, like can I be real black? Um, <clears throat> knowing that my real blackness looks different from every other black person's, but, like, sometimes, like, in a meeting, like, I don't want to code switch all the time because what I actually want to say is going to be more powerful and more meaningful, and you're going to get the festivity pis- in which I am presenting this um, than if I said it in this really cute, like, really packaged way. Right. So some of it's of like, how how much can I show up as myself today and how much do I need to put on the mask? Because um, I do feel like I need to put on the mask um, because there's all these systems that are saying, like, you have to put on the mask that pe- so that people accept you. Right. And so that you can advance and that you can, you know, get to the next level. So then you can do the, like, as you take the next step forward, pull the next folks behind you. Mm-hmm. But it's the mask that you have to put on. And I haven't mastered how to not feel like I need to put on that mask consistently. As I get older, um, I am less, I'm asking my question, that that question less and less between social groups, like how black am I going to show up? Now, you know, I, I don't code switch as much as I used to. It's like, this is just me. I'm just going to show up. I don't need to be friends with everyone. If you don't talk like this, fine. Like you just have to understand, understand me if you want to be friends with me and I'll understand you. Right. Um, and I, I think that's the beauty of friendships. You're not all supposed to be the same, right? Mm. Um, but um, uh, I lost my train of thought. But going back to the the, uh, the work setting, uh, I still, of course, have to ask my, myself that question all the time. And it's also interesting to see, I, I, I make those decisions in like split seconds, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not sitting at the table, I'm like, Ugh. Okay, how much of a nigga am I going to be today? Like, you know, I, I just, I, I don't have to think that hard about it. But when I'm in a meeting and I'm thinking about, okay, just going through the words, like I want to, I need to say something profound. I need to make this point, um, especially if there's uh, an emotion tied to it. I really have to just really in a split second decide how I'm going to deliver this message, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I think we're so used to it. That's why we have to make those uh, decisions yeah. um, in split seconds. Yeah, it's like a constant all day thing. Like it, it almost never lets up. Like you're always like the split second decision is like 
the eight or nine hours that I'm at work, it's like every second I'm thinking, how do I say this? You know, mm-hmm. how do I say this so that I don't get fired? Right. Um, that somebody doesn't try to reprimand me for saying like what is, what I actually believe to be true. Mm-hmm. And this is why I said it. And this is why I said it in this manner. Right. You know what I mean? I I think that's something, um, a p- example of code switching that everyone can relate to, no matter what walk of life um, you're from, is uh, writing. I think that's mm. like the probably one of the baselines of right, and I would say writing at work or writing at school. Uh, I think all we're taught to write a specific way, at mm. least um, in American culture. Right? There's that academic. Um, academic voice my Mm -hmm. academic voice is different than my work voice but they're also but they're very neutral very professionalized um and I kind of I guess I want to talk a little bit about that is um how those types of voices we completely strip our personality and any kind of cultural background because we're taught to write one way Mm -hmm. it's so funny that you said that I can remember an occasion at work where I was um and this was a while back I was writing something, and I essentially, in the words of Nene Leakes, I said what I said. I said. There was nothing else. Like, I wasn't going to apologize for it. I wasn't going to try to wrap it in a bow, because this is what the fuck I meant, Mm -hmm. which is why I wrote it. And then I got some feedback that it needed to be, like, softer, if that makes sense. And Uh first of all, insert fucking eye roll. Um, But I was like, but I don't mean that. Like, I don't mean to be softer. I don't, that's not what I want to. But they're like, well, if you want the message to be received in this way, well, I don't give a good goddamn how the message was received because I said what I said. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I caved because I didn't want it, like I wanted the conversation to be over. But I was like, even in that, like there's a, um, and I find myself, I, I probably have done this with other folks of like how you deliver a message specifically in writing because the writing, like I've learned in my current role where there's a lot of like legal terminology that I have to like look up and figure out what the hell it is. It's like, anytime I write an email, I should write it in a manner that, like, I would be okay with it being subpoenaed. And mm. I work with conduct, and lawyers are often involved. Not often, good Lord. Um, they're sometimes involved. So, no, I've started to write in this, like, let me write the most neutral thing ever and show my fake care and or concern so that it can give the appearance that I actually care. <laughs> right. And it's just like, really? It's so robotic. I'm like, yeah. does this sound caring? compassionate even right so and that's why the not that i'm like a complete asshole and i don't want to do those things but i don't feel like it's called it's necessary for every situation like sometimes you fucked it up and you just need to sit in the fact that you fucked it up Mm -hmm. that's it i've definitely gotten that feedback before that my um emails come off a little too harsh Mm -hmm. but i'm just stating facts like why is stating facts Yeah. yeah facts are not feelings i don't need to put feelings and make this confusing right so um but I I think also why, I think it's a little relative. I think sometimes why I get the feedback that my emails are so harsh is because when I see you in person, I'm completely different mm-hmm. than how the tone of my email may come across. Yeah. Ca- across. So I think that code switching of, uh, I sometimes want my writing voice to match how I am in person, especially if I email a ton of people that I've never seen face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And my relationship is built off of that writing. So... Yeah, it's hard to do, and I I think I don't really want to be too concerned with having my writing voice match my... Yeah, well, because I don't know that it ever will. Yeah. Because people can't read your personality based on, like, what they read on a screen. Mm -hmm. Because you could be writing this, like, in a good mood, da 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 and they're like, did he just curse me out? (laughs) No, like, I just... I just need to say the stuff and not package it and confuse people with all this extra, like... And this was great, too. Mm-hmm. And you're a rock star. You just need to get the stuff out. So, But I've gotten that feedback, too. Like, your email was really direct. I wasn't sure what to do with that. Well, follow the directions in it. That's what I meant to do. Like, I wasn't trying to put a, a cutesy spin on it. Right. So. Um, I, I have a question in terms of, um, I, I just want to know if things are changing. Um, I want to know if, um, especially for black folk, um, if the need for code switching is becoming less and less. And I'm going to give an example. So in Insecure, you know, um, remember the TV show Insecure, um, Rashida was, um, mm-hmm. was that her name? Um, yeah, she was that. a new, um, like, junior lawyer that was hired um, at the same firm that Molly works at. And Rashida was very loud. She had, you know, 
um, just like, okay, like she was just like very boastful and loud. Um, um, that could be attributed to like being black, right? Mm -hmm. And (laughs) that was cute. That could be attributed to being black. (laughs) It's because she's black, right? Okay. But, uh, you know, Molly, we know Molly's personality. Every time she's in work, she, she puts on that professional persona Mm -hmm. and speaks white, however you want to describe it. Um, and she sees Rashida and gives her advice saying, you know, you might want to tone it down. Like if you really want to, and not so many words advance in this organization, you, Mm -hmm. you, you gotta play the game that everybody else is playing. Exactly. And then Rashida had this huge speech about, well, when I interviewed for this job, I didn't have to, um, change who I am, um, to get the job. So why would I continue being different or play the game? Right. Mm -hmm. So that brings me to my question of, uh, you know, they're, especially with this millennial generation going into the workforce, um, and in terms of how we evaluate people, perceive people, should we really be ourselves, like our 100% authentic self in the workplace? Is that becoming more acceptable? Do we still have to do high level of um, code switching um, compared to the past when these things weren't really as lenient and people didn't have as much of a world, different worldviews or perspectives about people and personalities. Um, so I just wanted to know your take on that. Um, well, I don't necessarily define myself as a millennial. Um, I will say that I've had, I feel like I've had to um, censor um, some of how I have shown up at work in order to kind of get ahead, if that makes sense. Um, I don't always like it. I, I, I rarely like it because I don't feel like I get my, I don't get to be myself. Like I have to put on like this cloak of like, now I'm at work, let me turn 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 into this other person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which makes it interesting for the, the any like relationships that I develop outside of work, um, which are not a lot, um, which I'm fine with. But... Yeah, I think it can it can be confusing for folks to see like the work me and then the not work me. Like if I'm in like the grocery store, if I or if I have to like step out to take a phone call, like with somebody who's not work related, mm-hmm. um, and someone might hear me because I don't I don't speak like that unless I'm trying to get like I'm on a business call for some reason, like trying to get like a bill down or like contest something that you overcharged and this is what I need you to do to make me feel better about being a customer. Um, yeah, let me. I need to think on that one a little bit more. I, I have some words, and I, I, I wish uh, we had someone at the table that uh, was more embedded into the the tech industry. Mm. Um, my view of the work culture in tech and startups um, is only from my interviews with them. So mm. there was a small moment um, in my life where I was really trying hard to switch over into the the tech community, Mm -hmm. um, specifically for HR. And I did a ton of phone and in-person interviews, never got anywhere. Uh, And um, what was really different, the stark difference in terms of how I interacted with these um, these folks, uh, I'm used to, you know, walking into an interview in education or in um, nonprofit, you know, you're dressed to the nines, not, maybe not to the nines, yeah. but, you know. The, <laughs> Tuxedo. Uh-huh. Right. Ascot, maybe. You're, you're, you're dressed really well. Um, there is definitely do's and don'ts in what you say, how you communicate, especially on the interviewer side. There's a way that they they ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the, the tech side, um, all my interviews were casual. Um they were. They did not care about the bullshit about you know writing down a list of ten questions and making sure they asked the same mm-hmm. questions for every candidate. More conversational. It was very conversational. Some of my interviews were at coffee shops, and the interviewer r- was so relaxed where um, they weren't really code switching. So an example would be, um, you know, I guess especially in Southern California, there's that dialect, like kind of like the Valley Girl, and yeah. speaking like this, and you know, so. What do you really think about whatever subject? You know, and so they weren't even trying on their end. So I felt, okay, I can relax a little bit and be myself. And uh, I think in a market where it's so competitive, a piece of advice that I would always get is, yeah, really be yourself. Don't put on this, like, mask of being so... uh, you know, straight and no personality. <laughs> so straight. <laughs> so straight, right? <laughs> so it's very limited, and that's the, really the only um, uh, perspective I have. So it makes me think that, yeah, maybe things are changing, especially in uh, a lot of these 
startups are run by very young folks. And when I say young, like, you, you know, 32 and a CEO, right? Yeah. Um, and so they're really changing the landscape of uh, what it means to be professional, mm-hmm. right? So I, I'm really curious to know um, how much code switching is needed, um, how much can you still be successful and play um, without playing the game? Mm-hmm. So yes, I feel like you're, you're going to ultimately need to play some level of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you talk about like the interview, like in interviews, um, I think about people, and I haven't interviewed for a while, um, but you know how when people are like, well, it just what didn't feel like the right fit. You ever hear that? Yes. Um, I don't know that I've time. heard that for myself, because again, it's been a while, but it's like, you're not the right fit. Um but there's even, like, there's a code switch in that. Like, they're like, be yourself, but be yourself like this. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Totally true. Yeah. <laughs> like, just be yourself. Like, we just want to learn about you to see if you fit into our culture. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, what does fit mean? Like, am I just going to roll over and do whatever? Am I going to be at every happy hour that y'all have? Am I going to be, you know, whooping it up at, you know, right. whatever during They're the looking day? for uh, a level of conformity, right? Yeah. Like, everyone's unique. I mean, yeah. sorry, everyone's, you know, showing showing up as themselves, but according to this formula. Yeah, like, show up for yourself, but yourself needs to fit, like, th- to be this cog in this machine. Mm-hmm. So. And it has nothing to do with your skills, like, no. <laughs> or anything. It no. really is just that personality fit. And I, I get that in email, rejection emails from tech companies all the yeah. time. Because we just don't think you were a good fit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I think fit the um, code switching is going to be... I haven't found a, a space where I haven't had to code switch. Me either. Like, even, like, if I have worked with a supervisor for a good amount of time, and there's, there's, like, a good working relationship, I still need to... Like, I still feel like I need to code switch. Mm-hmm. I wonder... I would love to work for a completely, like, black-owned business. Um, there is, you know, one of the things I love about the Bay Area is there's a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. We have this listserv called Young YBSF, mm, yeah, uh, Young yeah. Black Professionals, and I see a lot of posts about businesses, and I've never had the luxury of working in an office where everyone's black, but I'm actually really curious to know if black people could switch <laughs> amongst right? themselves. You know, it's funny, and I'm, like, I hesitated to say this just now, and I was like... I don't think that I would want to work in an office that's all black. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, like, I don't get it. Yeah, uh, I just don't. That's not ever the world that I grew up in. And that's not the world that I want to be in. And that's and for anybody who would be like, well, she's not black. Uh, whatever. Kiss my ass. But, like, that's just not the world that I exist in. That, that That's not what my family looks like. Mm-hmm. That's not what my friends look like. So I want to be kind of engulfed like minus the bullshit like with a lot of different people with you know and obviously like if I'm with all black people there that's not going to be everybody have the same you know perspective because we're all like have you know a similar tone and skin or whatever um and I think some of that's due to like just growing up and not feeling like I fit in like with large groups of black people um and I wasn't like the loud person I wasn't like the the nerdiest person but I was kind of like I was a loner and I was fine with that but I don't know. I just that doesn't seem like it would be a place that I would want to be because I, I wouldn't I don't know that I f- would feel comfortable being in, a, in that space. Right. That's right. probably like some shit I need to work out with my therapist. But yeah, like that's not ever something that I kind of thought through. Mm-hmm. I also like I had my like my time in life and I was like watching like uh, what is that a different world. And I wanted to be like, oh, I want to go to the, the fake college that is Hillman. <laughs> um and I was like, oh, I wonder how that would be. And I'm like, I, I would feel like such a sore thumb there because I don't, yeah, in the spaces where I've been in, like there's been like lots of judgment of like of, of my blackness, if, mm-hmm. if I'm black enough, am I enough of this? You know, right. if I don't speak like this or if I don't know the latest whatever, shoes, clothes, books, whatever the case may be. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to know and, of course, remind each other about the different shades of blackness because a thing that often comes up in code-switching conversations is that you're comparing it against a, a universal personality trait. So uh, when we say, oh, I'm going to turn off my blackness, a lot of people or misassume that what we're turning off is that, oh, I'm loud, I'm going to use Ebonics, I'm going to yeah. turn off my Ebonics, I'm going to turn off my African-American slang. American vernacular English? Oh <laughs> 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 well, my God, whenever I see that, I'm like, are you oh fucking kidding gosh. me? Anywho, sorry, but yes. Uh, but the, uh, what I think um, uh, film and TV is doing a good job of is like showing that breadth of what blackness means. And yeah. when they say you're turning off your blackness, you're 
uh, blackness doesn't do, just doesn't mean hood. I'm going to turn yeah. off the hood. I mean, right. we all got a little hood in us, but... I know not of what you speak. <laughs> 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 but, um, yeah, it's it's important to, to know that. I, I also just had another thought of... Uh, I actually really hate... <laughs> do this to me all the time. <laughs> I like how you tried to whisper, like, uh, When, you know, I'm an anomaly everywhere I go as a black gay male. Like, yes, I have a lot of white gay friends. Um, <laughs> but um, the, I, I, I could meet someone from afar, right? Actually, white girls do this too. They come to me, and the first thing they do, they give me this very other... Oh, hey, girl. Oh, How God. you doing? And they give me all this extraness. I'm right? just like, like, I'm, I'm just <laughs> drinking my drink. <laughs> like, hi. Like, because uh, also, too, I, I I do that. That's inherently in me. But when I first meet you, I don't. I do that code switching. I'm a little different. Yeah. I have to feel comfortable. And if I feel like we can connect, then I can show you that authentic side of myself. Yeah. But just because I'm a black gay male, don't uh, automatically come up to me and be like, you know, giving me the... Yeah, the snaps. and like, uh-huh, girl. Right. Oh, like, I don't even know what that means, but okay. <laughs> so... Oh, shit. And, um, it, yeah, so don't assume that. And that was just something that came to mind. That's funny. I get that, well, not as a black gay man, as I am not that, but as a black gay woman who is masculine presenting, I don't have any hair. Um, but even before when I had hair, like, I would get the, the white gaze... Um, white male gays that would come and be like, girl, you are working that. And I'm like, sir, I don't know you. Step back, please. Or like, I have a butt, so I have body, so I've got a butt. And they'll be like, ooh, you all that junk. Again, sir, I do not know you. Please don't touch me. I Don't do that. So, and I'm like, maybe you should employ the code switch and like go back to like, I'm sure you don't talk like this on the regular. So, Yeah. That was a random rant, but I was yeah. like, I feel you on that. Yeah. I'm like, don't don't come up to me with all that extra stuff, assuming that you know who I am and how I present to the world mm-hmm. when we have not met and we have, and we have not spoken. Like, let get to know me as though you were getting to know any person. Like, yeah, right. But don't forget that I'm black at the end of the day. <laughs> so don't remember. be like, I don't see color. Well, then fucking you don't see me. But right. like, oh. at the end of the day, don't forget that you um, right. that I am black. Um, a, a final thought. Do you think code switching um, is deceitful in any way? Like, do you think code switching um, is still, are we still being our authentic self when we code switch? Or is it a level of deception? Um, let's see. Hmm. Do you have an initial answer? I'm sure you um, think. I, I think... My initial thought is, in the workplace, I, I, I don't feel that way, because um, I'm there to do a job, and I want to be successful, and um, it's a way for everyone to understand my form of expression and what I'm trying to say, right? In my friend groups, that's where I have to be a little bit more conscious of, mm-hmm. um, and I think where it pops up a lot is like social media, Right. Uh, okay. Because you know you can you present. Uh, it's easy for people to present themselves as one way on social media, and then you see me tomorrow, and I'm a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying me, me. I'm just saying uh, people in general. Um, it, it's just really interesting to to compare yourself online, offline, different social groups, and then like maybe one social group may see you act a certain way on social media when you're with different friends, mm-hmm. and. I don't think anyone is like honing in and noticing these differences, um, but I think sometimes there can be inconsistencies. Um, I, I think about it for myself sometimes. Um, like, l- 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 I'll just give an example. I'm not saying my friends actually think this, but I could mm-hmm. I could imagine this. Mm-hmm. So, um, I love my hip hop. I want to get turn. I want to get ratchet. You know, I need that dose in my life. So I'm gonna call up some of my black friends. We'll go to Oakland. We'll go to the bar, and we'll you know we'll do that. Uh, <laughs> we'll do that as imagine I start to like, ball, like twerking a little yeah, bit in like, my imagine chair. Imagine the twerk. And I know that like if anyone like from work or <laughs> like let's say I posted some videos right or like other friend groups are like oh wow I didn't I don't know Paul could get like that you right um, <laughs> but I I'm still being myself when I'm with you but 
I, I know you, you don't get down like that, so I'm not going to even bother <laughs> uh, presenting that, that side of me to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like I'm speaking in a very convoluted way, but... No, that makes um, sense, though. Yeah. As you were talking, I think it's... Um, I don't remember the exact question, but there was a part of the question, like, is it deceitful or not? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's... It is and it isn't. Um, I think... Uh, first of all, I think it matter. It depends on who you value, whose opinion you value. Like some people could be like, "Oh, you're not being your true self." Well, if I don't value your opinion or your uh, your thoughts of me, then I don't care what you're saying anyway. So mm. you can say I'm being deceitful. Okay, I'm still gonna get this check and its benefits. So like, call me what you will. Um, or as my mom says, they talked about Jesus. But anyhow, um, but I think you have to feel comfortable in the way that you present yourself. Um, in whatever circle you're in, if it's with your work fo- folks, then and you're one way with your work folks, that doesn't make you inauthentic or not real. Um, because I have, I can curse like a sailor, but I'm certainly not going to go into a meeting with the damn vice president and be like, "Hey, bitch, how you doing?" Um, <laughs> because that that's for the most part inappropriate and probably rude to like in terms of respecting like the hierarchy. I'm just not going to talk like that generally. Um, I'm also not going to say to my mom, "Hey, bitch, how you doing?" Because that's not how. That's not the level of respect that I have for my mom. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but I, I feel like I have to. I have to feel comfortable with how um, I present in whatever circle. And some people are gonna like it, and some people are gonna be like, "You lying? This ain't the real you." Okay, well, not everybody's supposed to know all of you. So, you, and and if you don't know all of me, then so be it. That that seems to be more of a problem that for you than it is for me. Mm-hmm. So. As long as I can feel okay with that, and if I feel like I need to reconcile something within myself, then I, you know, and I want to, then I work to do that. But um, yeah, I think people will certainly always. Somebody's always going to say like, "You lying? That ain't you. You aren't doing that yesterday." Well, I wasn't at work at this time yesterday. <laughs> so right. We don't serve drinks at my job. So yeah, I'm 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 gonna be this way when I'm at work because I'm here to do a job and it's perform a service. And you know, just looking at the culture of like. Not that I'm gonna do everything within the culture, like of my job, because some some stuff is bullshit, and I'm not just just not gonna do. Mm-hmm. But I'm also gonna try to like be Khalil and you know try to show you know my what I feel is my most professional self. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, again, my most professional self don't come in being like, "Hey, bitch, what the fuck are you doing?" Nah, 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 pointing at people because that's not how I want to appear at work. Right. If you don't like that, then you can call me deceitful, whatever the case may be. Again, I'm going to get the check and the benefits, and I'm going to try to do my best work. Right. So. Um, I know we're kind of running long, but I just thought of a question that I had to ask. Oh, my gosh. Um, you gave a final thought. But okay. <laughs> I, know, I was like, final thought. I know. I was like, oh, so we're ending this? Um, Go for it. Throughout your career so far, because um, you identify as, in terms of your, um, just the way you dress and your expression, more masculine-leaning. Or, I have not always identified as more masculine. Right, and I it's was changed. very much a femme back in the day. It's changed, right? So, did, in the work setting, in terms of your clothes and what you chose, how you cho- how you identify, and you wanting to match that correctly at work, mm-hmm. did you ever code switch that? Did you ever have to go against what you truly desired? No. Oh, that's good. Mm-mm. That's good. And like I said, when I started my career, I was like. A- Femme. Like, I was, like, heels, lipstick, long braids, etc. I cetera. cannot even <laughs> picture that. Oh, my cannot, gosh. But I was, I was femme-leaning. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I just started to kind of, uh, like, pay attention to more of, like, how I felt, like, and who I was. And I just started to feel more comfortable in, like, the slacks and, like, men's shoes. And, like, I'd say, with exception to, like, you know, my Vicky Secret, you know, panties, if you will, when they're on sale or if I have a coupon. Um... <laughs> Most, all the clothes that I wear are men's clothes. Bras. <laughs> Most men don't wear bras, although some should. <laughs> I'm like, go ahead and look that up. Um, I wear men's clothes, and I just I found that to be just a more comfortable space for me, and I haven't... No one has ever asked me anything about it or, like, questioned or even commented. I wish that I wish a motherfucker would mm, comment on I that. Um, but I have been... Um, one of the joys of working in higher ed is that, like, you get to kind of like be yourself for the most part in terms of how you present. And not too many folks are going to say that as we work with folks who are like students and either, you know, younger professionals who are like coming into their identity and how they want to show themselves to the world. Mm -hmm. So I am grateful to have never had, have had a conversation about that. And even as I kind of transitioned into more like, not the skirts, and because a bitch can rock an A, an A line skirt or a pencil skirt. So don't get it twisted. Um, 
But no one has ever said anything like that to me. Okay. So it's yeah. very much a, like, ooh, that bow tie works. I wear bow ties on occasion. So, um, yeah, no one has ever said anything. So Yeah, that was just a thought. Yeah. So. Have you had? Uh, no, I think um, I've been always consistent since um, I, you know, even college working. Um, I've never really been concerned about my dress. Like, I... I how I dress is how I express myself. It's definitely masculine if mm-hmm. I had to choose a, a, a side. Um, and I, yeah, I never had to code switch uh, my, um, how I present myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that's a good question. Welcome back. So this is our Ask a Boss segment. Um, if you have questions, you can email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com, and we will get to them. Um, so we've got a question this week that's not really work-related, but it can be if you choose. Um, so the question is, uh, what's a personal opinion you've had and changed in the past year? Paula, let's just <laughs> like, as um, you can see, we we kind of have questions off the cuff. I mean, Rihanna's the baddest bitch. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think she was shit oh. in her early career, and <laughs> now she's the baddest bitch. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I ooh, I need to. Maybe I should have asked for. <laughs> you should have told me this question before we started no, let's recording. Get the raw, the dirty. Oh, okay. An opinion. Oh, well, when you asked that question, uh, just something funny that came to mind. Uh, so I watch Wendy Williams um, talk show okay. religiously every day. And one thing that she always says is, you know what? I'm a grown woman and, my, and I'm allowed to change my mind. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I think there's this um, perception that you have an opinion and you have to stick to it. Yeah. And, and people will be quick to hold you to Yeah, you, like you have to go down in flames even if the opinion is complete <laughs> bullshit. Right. Um, I, let me start, I guess, with some like really quick ones that I can think of. Um, uh, uh, actually a conversation I had recently, um, so our election for state senator, um, no, was it state senator? Yes. State senator Jane Kim and Scott Wiener, um, ran against each other. Um, I voted for Scott Wiener and, uh, after I submitted my ballot and I learned some more information, I actually really wish I could have changed my vote. Um, that, and, uh, I, I kind of want to focus on the, Sometimes you just find out more information. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just learn more. And I own it. I'm like, yeah, I, I said this before, but I'm going to change my opinion because I educated myself or happened to stumble upon information. Um, and now I yeah. want to change my opinion. Um, let me think about that a little bit more. Do you mm-hmm. have? Yeah, so <clears throat> I think a personal opinion that I've had, um, uh, and it's maybe more of a, a stance that I've had. So I have been super okay with um just generally in my life of like the cutoff of people so been super like if if you're not working for me i'm not gonna make a grand announcement that i'm gonna cut you off or like these are the people i'm cutting off in 2017 i don't do that shit i just don't talk to you anymore period um and i have i think an opinion that i've had that on that that i've that has felt like it's changed is that like i have tried to start to examine like why do I feel the, the, I don't even want to know, I don't know if it's the need to do that or to like erase people from my life as though they didn't contribute something. Maybe the contribution was shitty and I want to for, you know, let that go and release that. But I think um, maybe it's the, uh, I've, I've been just more thoughtful about like, sometimes like you have like shitty experiences in a friendship relationship or whatever um, with a colleague. And that doesn't mean that the person is like no good anymore and ain't shit period. Sometimes that is true. Sometimes they are, they are not shit and you just need to like end any communication. But I've been really thinking about like the why of why I do that, like why I have an inclination to do that and like not feel a way about it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been thinking about like the people in my life that have, um, fallen off for one reason or another that I'm like, why did that happen? And was that necessary? And do I want to kind of reach out and have any sort of uh, future communications with those folks? So, but before I've been like, you're dead to me. Like, that's just mm. a thing. Like, internally in my mind, I'm like, okay, you're dead. Like, I don't even fucking see you. Yeah. Um, but I've been thinking more about like, why <sighs> is that? And what, oh, sorry. What am I holding on to 
that won't allow me to see whatever past whatever rift or um, whatever the case may be that kind of caused me to think the you're dead to me kind of thought. So yeah, yeah, huh? Um, man, I still can't think of personal opinions that I've changed recently. Um, I don't want to get too political. <laughs> yeah, either. Um, I'm like, you can. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes I get into arguments with people because, like I said, sometimes people hold you to what you originally said. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now you're being two-faced because you said this. and Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just like, I can't grow. I can't right? develop. And I changed my mind, and now I'm agreeing with you. So why are you mad that I'm agreeing right? with so you Right, so why are we fighting? <laughs> I don't get it. Right. Um, yeah, I, I wish I could offer more for this one, but yeah, no, that's a, I, I really like that one of the, like the ability to change your mind period. Like I wish I could change my mind. I'm grown. Like, mm-hmm. unless you're like the boss of me, if you will, um, in life, uh, I can change my mind. I can have a different opinion. I can have a different thought process. I can be right. like, Oh, you know, what? or I can acknowledge like, Oh, that was a fucked up thing that I used to do. I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so let me stop doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can throw you another question if you want another one, because I got another one here. Sure, go for it. Um, what's, and it's com- a completely different vein. Oh, okay. Um, what's the best or worst piece of advice you've gotten? Oh. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be one, you know. It can be a- amongst the worst or amongst the best pieces. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I remember the... Uh, the person that gave me this advice, but it's a common saying that okay. I um, <laughs> mention. Or actually, various people have taught, told me this, mm-hmm. um, but just in different ways, right? Um, I like to say it's not that serious. Okay. Um, especially in the work setting. Uh, I think sometimes we drive ourselves crazy over, and to the point where it's uh, impacting maybe our own sanity, um, and it could be a collective of us, like, we're all just, like, obsessed over this, like, one situation, we gotta get it resolved, or A, B, and C is gonna happen, and we then we notice, like, our, our wellness is affected, and mm-hmm. sometimes we just have to step back, and it's like, it's not that serious, no one's actually dying, right? Like, no one's, like, we will, we'll, we'll get through this, it's yeah. okay, let's just slow it down, uh, and so I, I've embedded that. And now as a supervisor, I constantly say that and remind my team about that. Mm-hmm. Um, worst piece of advice. I'm really good at forgetting things when I am, like, forcing myself to okay, forget things. Okay, I was like, are you forgetful? <laughs> no, I mean, forcing myself to forget things. Um, so, like, worst advice, if I had a bad experience with something, I probably just <laughs> You're like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, how about you go, Anel? Um, Let's see. Um, I think some of the best pieces of advice are... Um, there's, I think there's two things that come to mind. One is that I cannot carry everybody's baggage. Um, and I think about that most specifically in the work setting, like, um, if, like I just can't, like I, I can't take on the burden of other people. Um, and I have to let people deal with their own stuff because I have a knack for fixing things, which we talked about several episodes ago. So I'm like, people have to carry their own bags because I cannot carry them for you because I have my own bags to carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one is that I have to stop playing small to let uh, to let other people shine, because um, I have um, on occasion a tendency to like take a step back because I don't need to be in the, the limelight or the forefront of something, and then I, I I play small or I downplay like my contribution to something or that I've like had a success in something so that it doesn't feel like it outshines you know anyone else. Mm-hmm. So and it's not. Maybe it's like a, trying to be humble or modest or whatever, but it does. It's not serving me, you yeah. know, to try to like be like, oh, it wasn't like I just did this or like I only did X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, no, I contributed and like my contribution was meaningful. Mm-hmm. So it was a, around like not playing small, oh, um, yeah, really good which one. I'm still working on. Yeah, um, yeah. I think. I would like to believe I surround myself with a lot of really great influencers, so I haven't received a bad piece of advice that has profoundly impacted me in a way where I would really, like, remember it. Yeah, to, yeah, like, yeah. Say. Um, so I guess I'm just in a very fortunate, privileged um, position because uh, when I shine, you shine, right? Yeah. So that's, those are the people that I surround myself with who, you know, they're not perfect, but they've been through things that I haven't been through and vice versa, even mm-hmm. if we're on the same trajectory. Yeah. Um, and we teach each other um, from our mistakes. 
Yeah. I can't think of any bad advice either. I'm sure I've gotten some and been like, oh, that's terrible advice. Let me mm. ignore that and perhaps distance myself from the person <laughs> that gave me that because there's probably more of that poor advice coming later. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Good questions. All right. So, again, if you have questions, you can email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com and we'll get to them. Back to end the show with Boss Ass Bitch and Bitch Ass Boss. All right, so I'll go first if you don't mind. Sure. So I have a Boss Ass Bitch. So Boss Ass. So I recently watched um, uh, this documentary called The Minimalists. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. So check it out. It's on, I think it was on Netflix. Um, it was a random evening um, in December and I didn't have anything else to do. And I love documentaries. Mm-hmm. And it's too... Um, and it's not necessarily the boss ass isn't for the two guys, um, but it's just for the concept that they're kind of bringing to the forefront. Wow. Um, so the two guys' names are it's like Ryan and Joshua. Uh, if you look them up, they're the minimalist two white guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and their whole thing is about like moving and like considering a minimalist lifestyle. And there's a lot of like blogs and like DIY shit about how to be minimalist and whatnot. But I just. I've really started to think more about the concept of minimalism and like how in society we have so much shit, like literal, like we have stuff for no real reason. And like how we think that buying these things or acquiring these things or think that are, that it's going to make us happy or it's going to bring us happiness. So I guess it's, it's just a boss ass bitch moment to like the concept of minimalism and like, Paring down things so that you're not bogged down by, like, all this stuff and, like, the need to, like, spend money on all these things. And Mm. so, like, in my life with my partner and even with my family, like, it's so important for us to have experiences. So, just want to, random, I know, but shout out to, like, the idea of, like, minimizing the amount of stuff, like, tangible things that we have and we buy and... Um, really focusing on the experiences that we have with other people and how we make meaning of the things that we do have and how we take care of the things that we do have. Mm -hmm. So I will publicly put it out there. I am purging this week, like a ton of clothes that will, I will take to a reputable um, nonprofit organization to donate so that people Well, first I'll go through like the men's clothes that I have and find young men who wear similar type clothes or size and offer like, hey, I've got good stuff. Some of it still has tags on. <laughs> Wasteful. Um, but just giving back in that way. So mm-hmm. uh, a bit of a, a shout out to um, MLK and like the service that we do. So it's not a, all about talk. Um, but just the concept of really figuring out where um, the meaning lies in, in life for me and trying to, to pay attention to like, I don't need to acquire all this stuff in order to be happy and find meaning. Um, so yeah, oh, that's a good I know one. it's kind of like out there, yeah. but I really connected with, and they have a podcast too. Um, it's called the minimalists. Um, but it's just, it's really fascinating to think about like how minimal you can live. And then I think about like how these people have all this money because they're not spending it on all these things. Mm-hmm. They're spending it on experiences right. and going places and living life and not like, Oh, I got this like crazy expensive lamp that stays at home and I don't take it with me. So, yeah. Like Public that. commitment. Feel free to ask me about it on our email or shout us out on Twitter or Facebook if you want to know how it's going. But yeah, it's just cool. super interesting. That is a boss ass bitch yeah. moment. Yeah. Uh, so I have two. I'll try to be really brief with them. Uh, one is to Barry Jenkins, who created Moonlight. I just want to mm. congratulate him and, of course, the cast for getting Best Picture. Um, at the Golden Globes last weekend, and I think that's great. It makes me feel very proud, especially for the black LGBT community, um, to have a story that's never told put on a mainstream level and get recognized for a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, of course, it's just one story. It doesn't reflect everyone, but the topic of men and masculinity and sexuality is a very complicated topic that gets shoved and is a response is responsible for sometimes a lot of the issues that we have within the black community because mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes uh, uh, a minority group can be the most hurtful to themselves mm-hmm. um, than the out group. So uh, really proud for, proud of them for that. And then um, 
and putting themselves out there and just putting the story out there. So, yeah. And then a boss-ass bitch to Meryl Streep and Viola Davis. Mm. Um, I just loved the moment that the two of them had on stage um, when Viola started introducing or telling a story about her interaction with Meryl. I was really confused. I thought she was talking about herself oh. or someone else. I was like, is Viola just give it, like taking the stage and doing this right. like, She's beautiful like, I'm just, I have the mic now, so <laughs> right. I dare you to cut me off. Um, and so... Uh, I loved that moment they had. I know that they're dear friends. Um, they It's kind of f- weird because they're around the same age as each other, but Viola Davis sees Meryl Streep as, like, this person that she just holds on a pedestal. Who doesn't? I like, know, right? Really? <laughs> but it's, it's so cute to see celebrities stand for other celebrities. I'm like, yeah. but you're a Viola fucking Davis. Yeah, like, right? like, you can get her number if you want to. <laughs> right. So, and then uh, specifically for Meryl Streep, um, I thought that was very uh, selfless of her mm-hmm. to take, um, you know, her award as well as her entire career um, and focus it more on um, some things that we should be focusing on as a society. Um, she talked about uh, the press and how we really need to side more with the press and protect them, um, especially during um, the upcoming uh, Trump uh, years. Uh, she talked about, and she, um, without saying his name, um, she also said uh, something about, or scolding Trump for how he uh, talked about disabled people mm-hmm. um, in, in the media. So, and it's just generally infantile. Right. So, it, it, very eloquent, very beautiful speech. Um, I read some, um, some places that, um, oh, I think Nicole Kidman said oh, this. Oh, yes. And uh, I actually wanted to talk about this more, but a lot of people are saying, Trump is our president. Get over it. Like, why are you using your stage time to talk about something that's inevitable? Um, I have some some thoughts on that, but that is something I think Nicole Kidman said out loud Mm -hmm. um, about um, we just need to accept the truth. Steve Harvey wasn't too far from that thought as well. He didn't say those exact words. Did you hear you met with... Mm. Um, oh, yeah, he did yeah. meet with uh, President Trump. But, yeah. uh, we'll have to focus a whole other thing because yeah. the next time y'all will hear from us, um, we'll be in a different state in this country. Like, yeah. just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to put it. I'm so... Uh, yeah. So... Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to... Like, all you all of a sudden, you just got, like, really somber. Right? Like, uh, like four more days until right? uh, the and world the, crumbles. Yeah, but, yeah. like... Yeah. Oh, I haven't. Oh, I actually have one more boss ass bitch. Like, everyone, 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 everyone needs to watch the most recent episode of Blackish. Oh, yes. They had their most profound and, yeah, most profound episode ever where I felt like this was one episode where. You know how a lot of times, like, we have Blackish, we have all these, like, black shows, and a lot of the viewers are black people, or, you know, you have. Asian shows and a lot of the viewers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And sometimes when you uh, communicate and preach, like, messages, it's like you're preaching to the choir. And the people who really need to hear it are, are the ones not watching it, yeah. right? So that's yeah. why it's hard to create, like, film and television um, or diverse television for those audiences. This was the first time where I watched something and I needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to lie, I've been thinking and acting pretty immaturely and I've owned that it's like I'm I'm frustrated like ever since Trump was elected I've behaved in a way where it hasn't really been productive and I've been trying to find ways to be productive Mm -hmm. and Anthony Anderson his character um he was in a boardroom with his co-workers and he said the most beautiful thing about um being black loving this country and also how to move forward um as a black person who does not agree with what Trump says, or is surrounded by coworkers who think opposite of him. Yeah. Um, it was such a mature message, so beautiful. I've seen the, um, I watched it live on TV, but I've seen the clip posted everywhere mm-hmm. on social media, which I'm really glad it's getting circulation, but beautifully written. Yeah. Um, mine was going to be different, because you made me think, like, I was reading on the interwebs the other day that Queen Latifah is getting together, trying to do a reboot of Living Single. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, to hell with what you feel. I love living single. I'm all the way here for it. Love me some Queen Latifah. Let's see if the original cast gets back together. But well, you I'm know, most of the time that. reboots don't involve the 
a complete original cast. That's who I want to see. Don't be a downer. Um, so shout out to <laughs> Queen Latifah if she can get the original cast right. together. I'm that's here for that's it. the the only time I'll be interested in a reboot of any shows if you bring every single fucking person back. But don't don't like cast a new like you know uh, regime regime or like. Uh, Everyone's trying to do reboots of all the '90s shows. Anywho, shout out to Queen Latifah. We're trying to get back together. Do a reboot of Living Single. Thank you. Can we just get the? Can we just get the all the seasons on Netflix? I'm getting tired of like watching everything else. I just want all my favorite '90s shows on Netflix. I don't want. I don't want to go on Amazon and buy the DVDs. Anyways. Oh, as um, a person who has many of those DVDs, I'm like, what do you want? Um. So that ends our show for this week. Uh, we want to make sure that you stay connected with us on the social. Uh, yes, I said the social. I'm starting a new. <laughs> I'm gonna let saying. you start that one all by yourself. <laughs> so follow us on Facebook by searching for Head Boss in Charge. Uh, we're on Twitter. Um, our Twitter handle is at Head Pod. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're on iTunes and use that as a platform, please, please, please rate us um, and uh, write a review. Uh, and um, if you have any questions, email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. Yes, I got a